Hey everyone, this is Freen, and you're listening to Super Smash Host. podcast where we're smashing the patriarchy one episode at a time. Today I have Frances Tang with me. Would you like to introduce yourself, Frances? Hey everyone, uh, great to meet you. I'm Frances. I'm the founder of Awkward Essentials and the inventor of the dripstick. What the hell is the dripstick? So the dripstick is an after-sex cleanup sponge or as some of you may heard on TikTok, a cum sponge. It's meant to absorb all the excess fluids after sex internally, so there's no more dripping or running to the bathroom or having to rewash your entire sheets, or you're sitting at work the next day in a meeting and you feel this gush and you don't know if it's your period or if it's from the night before. So what does it this cum sponge do? Can I use this as a form of contraception? So a dripstick is not a birth control method whatsoever. It's just a sponge. It does not prevent pregnancy. It does not prevent STIs. It does not prevent STDs. It is simply a tool to help you clean up. So it's strictly for your own comfort and convenience. Um, it's not for everyone, which is totally okay. But for those of us who don't like that dripping and leaking, we're there for you. Okay. I think that's, I think it's really good just out out of the gate to set out what it does do and what it doesn't do. So there's no confusion. Can you tell me about how you came up with this? Like this is an insane product. <laughs> it is. We hear that a lot. So I personally have been on birth control for a very long time and every time I would have to clean up after sex with my husband, I would do the all too familiar ninja roll off the bed and kind of cut my crotch and run to the bathroom and sit over the toilet and kind of wait for it to come out. And as I got, I guess as I got older, I got to the point where I was jumping into the shower and taking a full on shower and like using my finger to like dig it out. I just, I just didn't like that dripping and I didn't like it getting on my sheets and the repercussions the next day. And so every time this happened, I would go on the internet and look for a solution. I Googled it many times and the only answers I could really find were in the depths of the internet on like Yahoo Answers, which I think no longer exists, or like Reddit, where people are talking about using their sacrificial sex towel or using his underwear or just grabbing the nearest thing like when they're done. And that's all great. I think they're great options for the outside, but my issue is with the inside. It's internal, and that is what is coming out later in the next day. And so as I thought about the problem, I was like, okay, how can I come up with an internal solution? So this sounds like a tangent, but one of the jobs that I've had was as a baker. Love baking, making cakes, and in the kitchen, there's a rubber spatula tool that you use to get the last of the cake batter out of the bowl. So every time I would make a cake, I would use this rubber spatula and scrape the batter out of the bowl. And one day it hit me and I was like, wow, what if there was a spatula for my vagina that could just get everything out in one fell swoop so I wouldn't have to deal with it later? That evolved into a medical grade sponge called the dripstick. And that's that's where the inspiration came from. That's insane that you've taken your experience in baking and applied it to post-sex cleanup. I like I still find that that transfer of skills to be amazing in my head. I think it's so cool, but I totally know what you mean. Like, you know, as a straight woman and someone who does have penetrative sex, it's like you can go pee right afterwards, but that doesn't really do anything. I mean, it's 
you know, not the same hole. And then you kind of just sit there and wait and you put on a pair of underwear and then you go home 30 minutes later and you're like, oh, look, my new underwear is already ruined. I know. And so we, you're right. It is a different hole. We make it very clear. You still have to pee after sex. This is not, this does not replace that. Um, Definitely pee. You don't want a UTI. But it's a completely different hole, and although it might help flush some of it out or it might fall out, it it doesn't it doesn't get it out from the inside, and so that's really our objective. I think we've seen the rise, especially in the past few years, of like sexual, like female sexual market, or like a market around women's pleasure in sex. So you know, we're seeing like a rise of like vibrators, lingerie, lots of things, different things to help improve women's pleasure and experience during sex. Where would you like, what kind of industry would you fit yourself in? So we really like to say that we are crotch care. Um, We are not, we're not quite sexual wellness because we're not a pleasure product. Uh, Feminine hygiene and typically refers to menstruation products. But really, my goal with awkward essentials is is crotch care to focus on the weird, unusual, maybe slightly embarrassing things that happen down there that we just don't talk about, such as after sex cleanup. You know, you don't see it in you don't see it in movies, you don't see it in porn, you don't read about it in books. It's crazy how they can just romantically fall asleep next to each other and not worry about the wet spot. Um, and so our goal is to really just talk about these things because they're normal and they happen to they happen to most of us. One of the things I really liked about your product was that it normalizes, you know, the experiences that individuals with a vagina have when they sleep with someone who has a penis. And it's something that I think, like a lot of parts of sexual wellness and sexual health are often taboo. And recently, we're seeing a lot more glamorization of sexual health, um, especially like you said, the sexual wellness industry. There is this increasing sex positivity movement, but I think it still highlights and focuses on the pretty parts of sex. But this product, it really says like, hey, sex can be messy too. Yeah, it can be. It's something that we don't see or talk about a lot, but we also find that because we're talking about it in a pretty straightforward way, like, hey, this happens, we get a lot of traction. A lot of people want to talk about it. It's just hard to start that conversation. And so, really, our goal is. To just be there and say, hey, like, this is a thing that happens. We can talk about it or we cannot talk about it. It's cool. And we found that a lot of people do like talking about it because it's very relatable. You know, I know you're a founder and this is a startup. So what was it like when you were pitching this idea? Were you pitching it to a room full of what I presume is men? Yeah. So I did a really small accelerator in downtown LA prior to even having the product in my hand. It was just an idea. And when I first started pitching this product, I pitched it like you would pitch any, any startup, any company. I used statistics and research and all that kind of stuff. And it did not go over well. I mean, my cohort members, a very diverse set of people, they just, they didn't understand what it was. They assumed it was a wipe or a suction machine or some kind of like suction bulb. Um, and the reaction what wasn't great. Um, and so from there, I slowly evolved that pitch into just talking about it as a personal problem because it truly was. That was the inspiration. And so once I shifted the narrative to being a personal problem, it started going over a lot better. When I did start pitching to investors, which there was a lot of men, there was some misunderstanding. But overall, there was 
a good level of understanding, I would say, in general, because anyone who's had a long-term partner who's experienced this has likely either gone through it themselves or heard their partner talk about it. So like you said, I mean, you know, even if you've had a long-term partner, you've probably heard them talk about this. So this issue isn't new. Why has it taken until now for there to be a solution? I mean, as far as I know, you're the first company to make a solution for this. I don't know. That actually made me very nervous in the beginning when I was doing research, right? Like you want to know that there's a market out there. And if nothing exists, then it's typically a bad sign. But I think really, it's just it's just timing. Kind of like you were saying, we are now just starting to get more comfortable talking about sexual health, sexual wellness. And so I think the time is right where not only can we talk about the fun parts, we can talk about the sticky, awkward parts. Do you think, you know, in terms of your audience, especially on TikTok and social media, um, or even your consumer base, are you selling more to women buying this for themselves or their partners? So it's amazing because we see a mix of both, which is incredible. We have about 30% of our customers are men and a lot of them do have a partner with a vagina and we get the kindest messages and DMs and comments from men who are like, oh, I bought this for my partner and, you know, had her, I've always heard her talking about this. And it's, it's just, it's been a really incredible thing to see how supportive they've been and that they recognize that this is what's happening. On the flip side, sometimes we have men who don't realize this is an issue and they're like, wow, is that what's happening in the bathroom? I had no idea. So although this has been out there, I think that there is still, I mean, of course, there's still some level of embarrassment and shame about it. It's, it's like the things that women do behind closed bathroom doors, right? Everything from like picking our ingrown hairs to, you know, squeezing our pores to stuff like this. We just close the bathroom door and we don't really talk to anyone about it. Yeah. And, and that's why I really value this product, right? Like it, one, your marketing is very hilarious, very straight to the point. There's no, you know, you're not trying to sugarcoat it. It is what it is. It's a cum sponge. And and I really appreciate that. But, you know, I understand that I am not the only person who's looking at this product. What kind of criticisms have you engaged with in rolling this out? So there's a lot of misunderstanding about the different orifices for some reason. It's really interesting. So a lot of comments we get, even from women, are about how, oh, like you just need to pee or just take a shower which is totally fine for the outside. But kind of like I was saying, for me personally, this is an internal issue. And so it doesn't really solve that internal issue that um, that is, you know, just the dripping and leaking the hours and days later and in your underwear and on the bed. Um, and then we also get a lot of criticism around it not being a necessary product, which it might not be necessary for everyone, which is totally fine. But, you know, if we can help people feel more comfortable and confident and even have more sex, then that's an incredible success to me. Just the comments we hear from people who maybe have disabilities or sexual trauma or sensory issues or don't like having sex in the morning because of the aftermath. Now they're more comfortable and confident having sex more often. I, I think it's a good thing. And I just want to clarify, um, because this is what my understanding is, and I just want to make sure I'm right on this. You know, there's absolutely nothing in terms of health-wise you know, wrong with sperm being in there. 
And this product isn't, you know, addressing any kind of health effects that could happen. It's, it's really just about comfort and making you comfort, making the, the user comfortable. Yeah, it's it's strictly about comfort. And if it can help you feel a little bit more confident, it's it's good. But it's not it's not a medical product. It doesn't prevent anything. It doesn't treat anything. It's really a personal preference. I think a lot of people, especially young women these days, informed women who are consumers, are very cautious about products that have to do with their genitalia. You know, at least when I was a teenager, there was kind of this popularity of buying feminine washes for some reason, like, you know, especially before you were going to go on a date or something. We were told to like buy these feminine washes and like clean all up in there. And then a few years later, you know, gynecologists are coming out saying, whoa, you know, you don't need to do that. You don't need to be putting that up your vagina. Um, It's self-cleaning. It's self-regulating. You know, no chemicals. You can use soap on the outside, but this product isn't necessary. So, you know, how are you fitting in with that discourse of consumers who are quite wary about what they are putting in and around their body? So dripstick is only meant to be used if there's excess fluids, aka like cum in your vagina. It's not meant to clean your vagina so much as is as it's meant to just help you remove all the extra all the extra liquid. That's really your vagina is self-cleaning. It is not dirty. If you like to leave, you know, all the cum in it, that's totally fine. It's really just so it's not dripping out and so you're not uncomfortable the next day. In terms of what it's made out of, it's a medical grade sponge. There's no additives. It's made out of the same thing as the contraceptive sponge, except there's nothing added. added. It's made out of the same material as the contraceptive sponge, except there's no additives. And it's made out of the same material as many condoms are. So we knew it would be safe for vaginal use. And unlike a tampon, which I'd love to address this, is it's porous, so it absorbs quickly and a different viscosity than blood. Tampons are meant to absorb a high volume over an extended period of time, and that's not what dripstick is. It's meant to absorb the viscosity of semen very quickly. So one, there people don't need to be worried about what they're putting in their vagina because this is medical grade. It's used all the time. It's part of the industry. Um, and two, you mentioned that this is different from a tampon. So this isn't something that you just put up there and leave for a couple of hours. Right. So it has a handle and the way it works is that you insert it, you kind of give it a little twirl, you remove it and you're good to go. So it only stays up there for a few seconds. It's not, it's not left up there like a tampon. Um, in the early days I did try a tampon. It turns into like this weird slimy bullet thing and it kind of like falls out. It was not effective for me personally. And I do worry about tampons because they are meant to absorb a lot more. And so kind of like pulling out a dry, like wearing a heavy tampon on a light day. You just want to make sure you avoid micro tears in your vaginal walls. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense to me. And yeah, I mean, I've tried the tampon thing too. Again, as somebody who's actually struggles with this problem, I've tried a lot of things and most of them have been like useless, absolutely useless. Yeah, I I have too. I feel like I've tried everything that I could before inventing this. And so that's kind of why I invented it. Kind of going back to the topic of tampons and what I talked about earlier, this feminine hygiene wash, um, there is kind of this overarching idea, again, coming from consumers that the feminine hygiene, hygiene industry doesn't actually have the needs of women at the heart of their product design. So how would you address that? I think that the more female founders there are, the more 
products there will be that are made for us. We are truly the only ones who know our body and our own experiences. And so the more of us that exist and move forward with their ideas and inventions, the better products will be, the better suited they will be for us. Because we're the only ones who really have that insight. Do you see a lot of up and coming you know, female founders. Another thing I'm thinking back to that was recently all over social media, and I'm sure you've seen it, are the pink gloves to remove tampons. Again, like who, who thought that that was necessary? Yeah, I, I think there is an incredible number of female founders that are out there and anything that I can do to encourage more, there's, there's not enough, I think is the best way to put it. Um, There's amazing founders building phenomenal inventions and products and companies, but the more of us there are, the more problems will be solved. I mean, we make up over 50% of the population and the fact that it's only a very small percentage who are founders, it's, it's very uneven. And so that's why things like the pink glove come to light. And so if there are any female founders out there thinking about starting something, I mean, do it, go for it. You know, you know, your own struggles and problems and body best. And so you are the best one to do it. And as a female founder, I mean, other than addressing, you know, this issue that you had, this personal need, what other goals did you have when you were coming out with not even just the dripstick, but I know the dripstick is hopefully going to be part of a future line of products that Awkward Essentials carries. So what is your mission with Awkward Essentials at large? I would love for the dripstick to almost be the thing that opens the door to other products and other other products that address similar issues. So the weird, sticky, gooey things that we just all go through, but are too embarrassed to talk about. So the focus right now will be crotch care. So anything down there that isn't pleasure related or menstruation related. And then from there, we're hoping to just expand the line into innovative products that are almost like light bulb moments. Like, oh, how come no one has thought of that? Or why aren't we talking about that? Um, On top of additional products, my goal in the brand is to really just be a brand that says it like it is and is very straightforward. I think there's so many incredible brands out there for women and there's all kinds of unique approaches. But for us, Awkward Essentials is rooted in my personality, which is just a very straightforward person. Yeah, that's something interesting I did find, you know, again, about your branding and marketing is that it's just very straightforward and very straight to the point. And part of me considered, is this a product of its time? Like, as we said before, this product, you know, probably couldn't have existed 20, 30 years ago. And even if it did, it definitely wouldn't have the marketing that it has around it right now. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of brands from men that take a humor approach and a very straightforward approach. But for whatever reason, there's not a ton targeted towards women. And so as someone who, you know, doesn't take things too seriously and is straightforward, I felt like there was room in the market to have a brand that just talked about these issues that way. And I mean, if you're talking about something like, like dripping vaginas after sex, I I feel like humor is the best route that you can take. Yeah, no, I fully agree. Um, There is a bit of an elephant in the room I do want to discuss. When I think about products that I, as a consumer, want to support, I look for three or four main things. The first thing I look for is, you know, whether or not that 
product was designed intentionally and it actually addresses a need. Um, so again, this kind of goes back to who's at the heart of the product design. Another thing is obviously cost. Um, but I think one of the big things that a lot of especially young consumers right now are looking at is sustainability. And I know as a result of sustainability, I've actually moved from using disposable tampon applicators to using a reusable tampon applicator. And just can we address the sustainability element with the drip stick? Because it is a one-time use from what I understand, right? Yeah. So because it's our first product from a safety and hygiene standpoint, we did want it to be one-time use, but we are definitely 100% looking into other solutions and how we can create something that is more sustainable. Just as, as an early stage startup, I just, you know, had to see if there was a market first. In terms of sustainability, what are kind of the main challenges you face? There are a lot of challenges with bodily fluids being biohazards, and this is applicable to tampons as well. You're not supposed to, like, you're not supposed to flush tampons. I don't know if people know that. And so with all that kind of misinformation out there, it's hard to navigate the topic with consumers, um, but it doesn't mean that we're not trying and it doesn't mean that we're not looking into materials and practices that would help. It's just kind of to your point, as a company and as a small startup, there's kind of an order of operations in which we have to have to do things to make sure we can get there. Right. And I think, you know, medical and safety reasons are a priority and and that being centered Obviously, very important. But, you know, I've read some of the comments your TikToks have, your company's TikToks have received, and I have seen kind of this misinformation about the environmental cost versus, you know, what is the reality? And, and these products have to be made in a way where they're safe to use. Otherwise, then you have a different problem that you have to address. Yeah, um, safety and hygiene is definitely our number one priority because it's, it's your health and safety. Um, but after that, you know, after we get there, we are free to innovate and research and look for alternative solutions. On the point of health and safety, what kind of feedback have you got from the medical community? So before creating the product, I talked to as many people in the medical community that I could find, but it being such a simple product, they were like, oh, cool. Like that was kind of the consensus. And now moving forward, we've had an incredible number of gynecologists and pelvic floor therapists and sexual health educators. We've had their support. And so it's been it's been amazing. Right. And I think that goes back to the fact that you haven't reinvented the wheel here in terms of the material you're using, just what it's being used for. Yeah, it's simply a use case that is unique. I think it's the best way to put it. Can you, you know, talk a little bit about just generally what it's like to be in this space as a female founder um, more broadly and what kind of advice you would give to young women who want to enter this space and create products? My background is not in feminine hygiene whatsoever. So it, it was a lot of research um, and a lot of Googling and talking to people and networking. But overall... I, I love this space. It's it's empowering. It's very supportive. You'll meet all kinds of incredible, innovative female founders that are working on 
companies that range from physical products to like SaaS companies that are helping. And so it's a very, very rewarding place to be. If there is anyone who's listening who is interested in getting in this space, I mean, I would say just go for it. I mean, you can reach out to me, happy to talk anytime. There's some really great groups. Um, Women of Sex Tech is an incredible group. Femtech Collective is awesome. And Femtech Insider is a really great newsletter that does an incredible job of aggregating all the news that's happening in the space right now. For audience members who don't know, what is Femtech? Like, what does it cover? Femtech is anything that's innovative that helps women. Nice. So on that point, can the dripstick be used you know, for anyone who doesn't have a vagina, like my brain, I'm thinking towards gay men or anal play. We have had that question come up a lot Um, because 30% of our customers are male. We do believe that there's people using it for this use case. It shows up in our reviews every once in a while as well, but we haven't tested it specifically for using anally. So I can't uh, give you an answer, but I suspect that it's happening. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, you know, two different orifices, maybe there needs to be some more research there before anybody can, don't take any of our words for it. But I was just interested in knowing, you know, what kind of the applicability would be to a wider audience. What was the most rewarding part about working on this project and on creating this product? The most rewarding part about creating awkward essentials and dripstick for me is the emails and the DMS that we get. So we get so many kind messages from customers or even almost customers who are like, wow, I have experienced this my entire life. I thought there was something wrong with me. This is, I I had no idea. And so just being the catalyst for opening up that conversation or making them realize and understand that they're not alone is, is incredible. And that's really where we want to, where we want to go moving forward with all the other products that we come out with. And this might be, you know, going back to the beginning of the story a little bit. Um, Also, I'm sorry for audience members who are listening that I'm asking backtracked question. It's because we've already recorded this once. And so sometimes I think I've asked a question, but I actually asked it in the previous recording. But can you tell me a little bit about how Dripstick went viral, so to say? Yeah. So when I created Dripstick, I realized that people didn't understand what I was talking about. I'm trying to change the way people clean up after sex, which I understand is a monumental feat. And so what I ended up doing was I ordered 20,000 drip sticks because that was the minimum order quantity that I could get from the factory I was working with. And I was like, okay, once I have this physically in my hand, when people see it, they'll understand it. So I threw together a Shopify website. It looked like a blog. It was terrible. And I posted it on a couple of Facebook groups, just asking like, Hey, do you understand the product? What do you think about the website? Would you try this? And I went to bed that night thinking, all right, now it's this uphill marketing battle, like going to wake up the next morning and that's where we're going to start ground zero. So overnight we had a writer from the Huffington Post UK see one of my posts in one of those groups. And she DM'd me and asked if she could write an article. I was asleep, so I couldn't respond. And when I woke up, 
she was like, Hey, I wrote the article. Here it is. And so I woke up to hundreds of notifications and emails, no idea what was going on, found this DM, ran to my computer and realized that HuffPost UK wrote an article about Dripstick, or at that time it was called Come and Gone. And so by that time, there was already other articles that started coming out. And like Cosmopolitan covered the product. We were on Comedy Central. I think there was over like 30 articles within that week alone. And it was your classic startup story where I was storing the product at my parents' house. So I had to like run to my parents' house, call my friends, pay them in pizza, start packing boxes. And we were not equipped to do this whatsoever. I mean, I was expecting to sell like 10 boxes over the course of the next week or month if I was lucky, but it turns out we ended up selling hundreds and thousands of dripsticks on that day. And it was just really great validation for the idea itself because, you know, they say if someone is willing to pay for your product, then you know that you have validation for your idea. And so this was that first step of validation that I needed to know that I wanted to move forward and turn this into a full-fledged company. Yeah, I, I still think that story is absolutely amazing. And it just shows, again, like you said, that the, just this clicked with the writer. She saw this product and she went, oh my God, yeah, like we need this. Where has this been my whole life? Um, and I think that story is absolutely amazing. And I also think it's a really good way to kind of finish off because I think it's quite inspiring for you know many young people um who might want to be entering the entrepreneurial space about just do it yeah it's real like really and i know that piece of advice you hear it all the time but you have to do it like you have to do the thing i think if it weren't my dad's also a founder if it weren't for him pushing me further i would probably still be planning like trying to get it perfect trying to get it right but you never know what's going to happen unless you put it out there and going to be weird and rough and ugly and some people aren't going to like it but that's the only way you can improve and do it better and get that feedback I think that's really interesting too the point of you know if you sit there trying to make it perfect then it's never going to get out to the public and your perfect might be different to what the public actually needs so you know as you're getting feedback now on things you can improve you know like the environmental sustainability aspect you know other uses for this product etc some of this might never have come to you if you were just waiting um, before releasing it. And now you get to have that kind of back and forth engagement with consumers. Yeah, like I would have had no idea that this could help people with disabilities or just different the different people who've reached out. There's no way I could have predicted it unless we existed. That's amazing. Well, Francis, thank you so much for coming on the show and speaking to us about the dripstick. Um, I think it's amazing. And I think Anybody who's having, you know, penetrative sex and needs or is uncomfortable with, you know, the drippage afterwards, I mean, I know I am, this is the product to check out. Thank you for having me. Um, And if anyone wants to find us, we are at awkwardessentials.com and our handle on all social media channels is Awkward Essentials. And I'll make sure to link all of their social media um, and their website in the show notes. Thank you all for listening. Thank you.